Welcome to Project Chatter, the podcast where PPM experts from various sectors talk about the latest trends. Listen to Val and Dale as they talk about tried and tested best practices and share their unfiltered thoughts about the industry. Whether you're here to learn how to progress your career, improve your project control skills, or just want to hear an Aussie and South African rant about projects, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Project Chatter podcast with your hosts, Dale Fung, and Val Matthews. This podcast is brought to you by Innate. We hear it from our podcast guests frequently. Today's capital projects require the highest degree of visibility. That's why we at the Project Chatter podcast want to tell you about construction project management software from Innate. It's software that integrates every aspect of your project and puts you in control. Innate's cloud-based solutions provide a connected data flow that improves efficiency and guides better outcomes across the entire project lifecycle. See what Innate software can do for your next construction project. Learn more at innate.com. That's I-N-E-I-G-H-T.com. This podcast is brought to you by Plan Academy. Plan Academy is the world's leading learning site for anyone working in construction, project management, or project controls. At Plan Academy, you learn construction, planning, and scheduling theory, how to master scheduling software like Primavera P6, and even advanced construction scheduling techniques. Plan Academy's courses are 100% online and at your own pace. You can learn at the office, at site, from home, anywhere. Get $75 off any Plan Academy course by visiting planacademy.com forward slash chatter. That's planacademy.com forward slash C-H-A-T-T-E-R. Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by justdo.com. Justdo is a great business and project management tool we've been using here at Project Chatter. I agree, Val. I like to keep things simple and Justdo is perfect for that. But I do know it's got a lot of powerful functionality as well. And one of my favorites is the task-specific chat. Absolutely. And for all you slackers, don't wait for Monday. Check out justdo.com. Now on with the pod. Hello, project people. Welcome to the Project Chatter podcast. I'm your host, Val Matthews. You're listening to your trusted source of project experts live this time, uh, maybe for the second time ever. Um, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Dale Fung. Hey, Dale, you there? Hey, Val. Great to be on another one. And yeah, our second one live, which is amazing. Um, And two amazing guests, return of one and a brand new guest as well and a follow-up on a recent podcast. So I'm really excited about this one. Yeah, me too, mate. But before we get into it, just a reminder for all our listeners to hit that subscribe button on whichever platform you listen to your good podcasts on. And don't forget our YouTube channel, which this is live streaming right now. You can answer or ask Q&A questions and get some live answers, or you can join us for the pre-recorded or post-recorded uh, podcast with our bonus guest bits. Uh, and if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, you can check us out. Go to Project Chatter Podcast and give us a little bell. Uh, in this pod, we are joined by Anne Bamford and Steve Wake to discuss why projects need fusion skills. Hi, Anne. Welcome to the show. Hi, lovely to be here. Lovely to have you. And Mr. Steve, our resident EV guru. Welcome back, buddy. Hello again. What did I do wrong? (laughs) Nothing yet. (laughs) But it's a pleasure to have you both on the show. Uh, Before we get into it, I know you've got some exemplary uh, bios. I'm going to get Dale to get stuck into them. We'll start with Anne. Dale, over to you, mate. Thanks, Val. This is amazing. Um, I hope I get through them and can pronounce all the massive words that are on these bios, but here we go. I'll give it a go. 
Professor Anne Bamford, OBE, is Strategic Director of the Education and Skills for the City of London and has been recognized internationally for her research in creativity, lifelong learning, and technology. She instigated the term fusion skills to describe the competencies needed for flourishing now and into the future. Through her research, she has pursued issues of innovation, social impact, and equality and diversity. A world scholar for UNESCO's and has conducted major national impact and evaluation studies for the governments of Denmark, the Netherlands, Belgium, Iceland, Hong Kong, Ireland, and Norway. Amongst wow. her numerous articles and book chapters, Anne is author of The Wow Factor, Global Research Compendium, Compendium on the Impact of the Arts in Education, which has been published in five languages and distributed in more than 40 countries. Wow, Anne, as Val said, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's amazing to have you, and we will certainly post links to those books of yours uh, in the show notes as well. How are you feeling? Oh, very well indeed. Thank you very much. Great to be here again. Fantastic. Steve, welcome back. Uh, your bio is amazing too. Steve is at the forefront of the development of national and international standards in project controls and management, a genuine thought leader, a super connector, a maven. He is a <laughs> member of the Management Standards Committee of the BSI, currently progressing project controls and benefits management. He is an internationally acknowledged expert on earned value management most recently on the newly published ISO standards for EVM and WBS. And currently he's working on an ISO EVM implementation guide. This might be a little bit old, so maybe we've got some progression on that, mm. Steve. Yeah. Steve works with government, national and international bodies and academia as a subject matter expert, as well as on matters of governance. Steve was one of the authors of Agile Portfolios with ABC. With his Guild of Educators hat on, he's working with OECD and the City of London to introduce fusion skills. That's what we need to talk oh. about <laughs> internationally to a to children aged seventy to seventy plus. And I think we mentioned last time. It's amazing how we talk about seventy plus children. Um, so there's one. He is also currently working on a think tank. Think thank. Sorry for major sporting events. In the afternoons, he's championing circular economies and sustainability to combat climate change. He has worked in the automotive, print, aerospace, defense, insurance, and IT industries as a project manager and consultant. He led the Association of Project Management to the award of Royal Charter. He's chief examiner for EVM and planning with APMG. He curates and chairs his own highly regarded EVA conferences. And if you haven't been to these folks, get onto Steve's conferences. They are amazing. Now in its 25th year, probably 26th by now, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. And curates the PMI's major synergy event now in its probably 11th year. He's visiting lecture at Warwick, WMG, Cranfield, and UCL, as well as the Moscow School of Economics. He has an MA in manpower specializing in the sociology and psychology of organizations and is a member of the London Mozart Players Development Group. His long passion for all kinds of music is almost matched by his continued appreciation of silence. Amazing, Steve. <laughs> Welcome back. How are you feeling? <laughs> oh, you're silent. Awesome. I'm silently, yeah, uh, very well. Thank you. 
No, it's amazing to have you back, and it's amazing to welcome Anne onto the show. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Uh, we, As we said, we had a couple of episodes ago, uh, we, we spoke about fusion skills with Jamie Hannon and Carol Still, where we laid the foundations around what fusion skills are. Um, so go back, listeners, and check that out if you haven't, because um, this one will probably be a little bit um, sort of further on from that. So we're going to be a bit provocative, play devil's advocate, try and pick it apart, but particularly why fusion skills, I think, relate to the project environment. Um, now, if I may, Anne, um, you came up with fusion skills, and um, did you have project management in mind when you came <laughs> up with this, or was it just a general thought and idea and how generally everyone could uh, sort of benefit from, from having fusion skills? It actually was almost the other way around in terms of it was thinking very much that we were moving as a, as a globe, as a society. We're moving towards this much more fusion approach in all sorts of aspects, fusion in our lives, fusion in our food. Uh, you know, it was affecting all sorts of um, aspects of what we do. And it was increasingly uh, having a real impact on the skills we need now and into the future and also how we get those skills. And it, it, it was pointing to some really sort of key patterns. And initially when I met Steve, actually, Steve was coming to me to try and say, I think we need to get project management into uh, the skill, into mm. the school context, into education, because children need this as a sort of almost base for them to, to think about things. And then from that, when we started to talk, it's like, Project management, in fact, is probably one of the best examples of fusion skills in operation of any industry in the world. And so, therefore, it made sense to say, well, actually, what project managers do on their day-to-day -day or week-by-week -week work is actually they're incredible. I'd describe them as fusionistas. They're incredible experts in being fusion. And perhaps that value is the greatest value of project management, is their capacity to bring fusion skills to bear to solve the complex problems, whether they're engineering problems, building problems, construction problems, thought problems that, you know, we, we the challenges we have in, around our city and that, you know, that skill, if it was released, if it was able to influence more areas, it's an incredible change it could make in terms of uh, really making sure that fusion skills are something that we're developing as, as part of, you know, being human now and into the future. Mm, no, thanks for that. And from the, the episode a couple a couple episodes ago, we actually said that we felt that sometimes project managers are hired either for their technical skill or for their leadership. Not sometimes, not not often both. Um, and and you have a mix sometimes of project managers within the same project team. Mm. Um, but we then said as a controls function, usually that is where everything comes together as well. And so Val and I, rightly or wrongly, we're trying to big up project controls because we, you know, we, we felt we were, we had those fusion skills where to take data, deep analysis of data, translate into a story, and then bring in your soft skills as well to, to get people to believe into that story. But Steve, I want to bring you in as well, talking about project controls and, all, and the like. Um, I wonder if you could add uh, your side of the story to that as well when you reached out to Anne and, and how it sort of the conversation evolved from there. Uh, yes, I shall. Um, I did come at it from, from, from the project management um, uh, side of things. Uh, and um, I'll, I'll kind of further qualify what, what, what Anne said. 
I uh, with 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 and when I had my chairman's hat on at the APM, I was always being challenged, both by myself and and others, to how uh, we were chugging along. We doubled in size over the ten years leading to to Chartered Award from eleven thousand to about twenty five thousand. And I was thinking, how how could you possibly step change this? Uh, how could you have a huge leap forward? You know, from twenty five to a hundred thousand or whatever. Uh, and it was at that point I started, I also tied in uh, one of these pulse of the profession reports that the PMI, the Project Management Institute, produce, and they talked about the most successful factors for for, for project delivery several years ago now. This report. But the one thing that stuck out uh, above all, first and foremost, the most successful skill for project delivery was communication. <laughs> uh, nothing to do with tool sets and stuff. It was actually getting you know your ideas across and formulating them. And, and, and so I then started thinking uh, and also tried to push very hard uh, a, a very, could I say, conservative, hurtling towards wanting to be part of the establishment organisation into getting their heads around the following slogan for strategy, because we were looking at revisiting our strategy. And I came up with the genius slogan of project management is life is a life skill for all. Life skill being the inherent thing that I was looking at. And I was thinking, wow, how do we, if it's for everybody, then that could be school children, couldn't it? And what if we had a GCSE for 14 to 16 year olds in school children focused on life skills, problem solving skills. And I thought, and again, this is the, you know, the, 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 uh, the plotting and scheming chairman, self-interested, thinking, well, if we could get every school child in the country to take a GCSE at the age of 16, that would possibly yield 100,000 fresh potential members of, of, of membership to, and, and, you know, potentially grand schemes. The APM can become the, the largest institution on the planet very quickly and above all shift its demographic from what we are which is a bunch of old geezers like me <laughs> 50, you know 50 to god knows what you're going to look like this in 10 years time Val. Know, and I'm uh, you, you get in there and uh <laughs> you got the beard and I, I i i just thought well that that's also what it would do plus it would smash the diversity issue uh, at a stroke because you know hopefully there, there, there are there are females as well as males being trained in education you know so everybody would be have the opportunity uh, to, to to get uh, those skills and and they wouldn't just be oriented towards the world, world of work it would be the, the world of life um you know better citizens better able to organize and look after themselves and and integrate with you know the the, the changes and challenges of society both within the world of work and and the world of life so on that note, I was then schmoozed by um, uh, some, uh, uh, a lady called Anne Bell, who's uh, become a great friend over the years from, from being in charge of the um, outreach programs for the Chartered Management Institute. And she kept on saying to me, join the, the, the Guild of Educators. I'm a member of the Guild of Educators. Go to the Guild of Educators. You know, you can do it, Steve, because you've been involved in the, all the standards and, and the, uh, uh, the guidance that the APM had published over the years. The most productive uh, special interest group, in fact. And um, so I did. Uh, on the first night of me being inducted into, into the livery, 
of the Worshipful Company of Educators in the city. Um, who should I talk to but Anne Bamford? And Anne said mm -hmm. to me, hey, I'm head of education. And I said, I do earn value management, Anne. And then, uh, and again, behind all of that, it was, oh, I was thinking, gosh, I've been gifted with the opportunity to pitch a GCSE in project management to somebody. <laughs> so, so it was that really hot summer, wasn't it? Uh, um, uh, and it took about three months to get hold of Anne because she's really busy. And I finally got in and sat down and I pitched a GCSE of project management to, to dumb silence, really, for about an hour. <laughs> rather like you know the last broad, the last broadcast and um at the end of it she said that's all well and good steve but we're doing fusion and uh you know at that point that was a road to damascus moment for me because that was i was very happy i threw over my you know back the the gcse was just toast history really because here was somebody talking mind-blowingly about fusion skills which we were perfect match because that's what what at the end of the conclusion part including part of the, the yeah. chat was they are the skills you're talking about are an almost perfect match with these fusion skills okay for which read their employability skills their transversal skills they're the skills that enable people to get things done for themselves and for, for organizations and the skills that it would appear above all that employers really want and, and require so um i uh, and she was talking about seven the age from the age of seven Right. So immediately it was from the age of seven to 17 rather than a GCSE. It could then go into A levels. It could go into T levels that were coming and then, you know, and, and feed into you. So you could have a continuum of education from seven to graduate, postgraduate, maybe. <laughs> yeah, whatever. And the more we talked over the ensuing weeks and because of my BSI hat, I suppose we got more and the educators, we got more into the notion that um, rather than have what is sometimes a brick wall of an academic qualification or, or, or way of doing things being hurled over the world, wall into the world of work where the employer immediately says they might be clever they might have certificates but they can't tie their shoelaces up and they can't organize a meeting and I can't get them to you know to work for themselves independently or, or whatever <laughs> so I then thought well maybe a way around that is to, to, to begin to look at it as seven to 70 lifelong learning and if it was enshrined maybe in a national standard that would be valid for the whole world. Government, work, academia, everybody could, could, could have a touch point where, whereby we, we, we could sell the idea, it, it, uh, it, it bring the idea into, to, to, into everybody. Okay, So um, uh, that, that's still uh, very much, I think, in, in view and, uh, uh, and, and the ensuing plan. So we, we've got the, the, the idea that fusion skills might be um, the successful bit. And again, whilst um, it's fair to say that these are the successful elements of project delivery, that doesn't mean that every project is successfully delivered because we are just as hopeless at fusion skills as the rest of the world in many <laughs> respects. Yeah, We don't train it. We don't inculcate it. We don't recognize it. It's not, it's not sewn into the fabric of our everyday. OK, so this particular program, this, you know, this opportunity was, well, here, firstly, we, we, we can, in inverted commas, disrupt the world of education. Here was a really senior educator that was prepared to do that. And, and there, there is also an underlying recognition reflected in the world of the educators in particular, that the current system is, whilst it's, it's OK, it doesn't provide those extra elements or, or, or really bring out those extra elements where we have, 
fusion, uh, I'll, I'll use the word fusion, uh, 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 skilled individuals. And somehow or other, the trick was to, to, to incorporate that kind of development into the everyday curricular learning activities of everybody. And again, to, to touch on the lifelong thing. Again, for me, I fell off my chair a few years ago when somebody said, oh, I'm starting an apprenticeship and I'm 57. You know, <laughs> for me, an apprentice was a little grubby urchin who, who wandered around <laughs> Cheapside, you know, begging and then got, got taken into a, a tailor or a butcher or something like that and, and given yeah, yeah. an apprenticeship. Yeah? But it wasn't a young people's thing. You know? So again, I just thought all of this stuff reaches out everywhere. And then with Anne, it was like, well, not only are we doing this within the city of London, but it, we can reach out nationally. And above all, there's this huge move. Okay, so, we've got, so we got plugged into a fusion movement which has now been going for three years which is building and building if you think of a piece of blotting paper the ink is now starting to blur into you know bigger and bigger blots as we as we join the pieces up i'll shut well, let up let me jump in there steve yeah i'm going to jump in there and uh look this is great uh this is exactly what we expected when we got the two on that we get this <laughs> raw fusion of, of experiences um and i wanted to just ask you because you, you mentioned communication at the start of that um yeah. that reel that is there some sort of hierarchy of needs when it comes to fusion skills? Is there is there one? Are they all the same? So when you say fusion, you know, you kind of think of a melting pot and you've got all these different facets of skills. Mm. And I'm trying to conceptualize this. But then we talk about, you know, real valuable skills. And you say, especially on projects, Steve, you say, and then, you know, you say actually communication is a really integral part yeah. of, of that fusion element. Is that is that is there a pyramid or a triangle? I love triangles, but uh, is there any way of? of uh, <laughs> well, there there, there certainly is a a hierarchy, um, and we we did a lot of research to actually come up with that hierarchy. So we actually looked at hmm. all of the lists of skills, and then we got industries across 101 different industry areas to rank wow. those skills in terms of importance and we there's been a list and although I don't want to get hung up on the terms I'm going to run through a few but Please. I think the key thing to take from it is that they, these are widely agreed they're widely agreed across industries they're widely agreed agreed across points in people's careers so they equally apply at the beginning of your career as they do uh, further down you know further as you move up your career or whatever and they seem to have strong international um, cogents as well so people understand it when you use them so the number one is oral communication what we're doing now a presentation skills speaking and listening uh, the number two is collaboration and teamwork so it's about how you you build effective teams and then you collaborate and there's a whole range of ways you can collaborate and then it goes on to things like initiative problem solving organizational skills adaptability and flexibility some people are very pleased to see written communication is one of them mm. so it's a it's it's very uh it's still core in what we do independent mm. working and autonomy critical thinking resilience creativity mm and analysis and evaluation skills. And you can hear, as you hear those, when, when Steve described the situation where a, pro, a project goes wrong or the project management goes wrong, I, I bet you can almost pinpoint which of those ones were the letdown factor, you know, which were the ones that caused it not to go uh, the way you expected it to go. And mm. I think, you know, that's what's... And these apply it across 
every industry, they apply at different levels. And, and I think it's that sort of universal nature of it that's really, really important. And it was also interesting, I think, some of the ones that we thought would be there, but are no longer there. So for example, risk taking was not seen as a positive fusion skill. So, so something that we've mm. perhaps previously said, well, yes, risk taking, super important. Actually, not now, not at the moment, not into the future. So um, it, it's, it's been perhaps interpreted into things like critical thinking or resilience or creativity, but not risk taking. So you start to see changes in, in the way these skills are evolving over time as well. That's, yeah, that's if, I could, if, if I could just leap in on the risk thing, uh, yeah. again, Anne is speaking as, as, as a non-project person here, because uh, w w when she says risk-taking, it's not risk that we know as, as project risk. Okay? <laughs> no, that's it, true. Because we, we think of project risk as um, an understanding of factors that allow us to make uh, a, a well-informed choice or decision, right? Sure, mm. yeah. Whereas what Anne meant was it was, a, it was an uninformed choice. You know, yeah, risk, and, risk taking and, is taking a leap into the void without really checking. Arguably, you know, the sort of risk yeah. you, that you deal with in project management would be under the area of analysis and evaluation yeah. skills, yeah. because presumably what you're doing in there is is you're looking, you're doing your risk assessments or your assurance work, and you're balancing, you're using data or other information yeah, to to critically analyze and evaluate. So you are using a fusion skill to to actually achieve. The risk mm. management um, process within your, your projects. Yeah, that's so interesting. I think taking your both points there that this uh, and, and all those those elements you talked about as well, they're not something that you would go and get a certification in. And as someone who's, who's kind of done a little bit of the, the academic and, and the experiential, you, you kind of learn these things on the job. And I guess that's more like the apprentice way of learning than, than say some of the certifications that are out there. And we do get a lot of young Oh, not we don't get a lot, but we, we definitely need to attract more young people into the into the business of project management, and project delivery. And I, I just wondered if I could kind of phrase a question around how do we do that? So we've got this this we we know this parallel. This this fusion skill is incredibly important to the way we think about things. I, I see them as a series of maybe a hierarchy of mental processes and the way that you uh, mindsets, the way you adopt and and solve problems. Um, how do we then attract young people into that area knowing that um in a lot of spaces particularly maybe in australia and, and maybe in the uk as well that, that 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 career path isn't quite as as um matured as you would think it should be because obviously these things are impacting projects and i 100 percent believe that this is this is this some of the driving forces behind unsuccessful projects or as as steve said when projects go wrong i'd love to get your thoughts Anne. what do you think about that yeah, I mean, a, a couple of points I'd want to pick up on there is that um, you mentioned that it's often not um, taught or not, you know, you, you can have loads of qualifications and still mm. miss out on those crucial elements. And I'm sure we can all think of colleagues we've worked with and they might have lots of letters after their name. And then you actually think, but when it comes to some of those basic fusion skills, they were really mm. lacking. It was hard to actually work with them. Um, it is, is it actually important that you are specifically taught these skills as well as you get them through experience? What, what we know about most skills, like learning to drive a car or learning to ride a bike or learning to ski or whatever you're going to do, a skill requires some initial instruction and then it requires practicing. And then as you get better at it, you need 
further talent development if you're going to move to the next level. So um, it's not, and that's very much the case with fusion skills. So it can't just be something that's left to chance to pick them up. And I, one of the crucial things that I've been lobbying for is this has to be explicitly included in education at all levels, whether it's a postgraduate qualification or a, you know, in the early years with, with young, very young children, because you do need to explicitly um, help people using teaching and learning to develop those skills but then you need opportunities to practice them and I'm, I'm doing it a lot at the moment for example with working with businesses who've been shocked to see how limited the fusion skills are within their organization when they've been through a year and a bit with of the pandemic and their capacities to use those fusion skills have been limited and so um, you can teach them you can learn them and you certainly need to practice them. So if you don't get opportunities mm. to use and develop them throughout your working life and throughout, you know, it, it's not something you can do once and then forget, you will lose those skills again. And so I think, I think that's, a, that's a key point. The other thing is I'd like to just um, mention the really important thing is that I, I often talk about T-shaped people is that, and this is particularly relevant infusion skills and in project management because what it is is your fusion skills exist like the top of the t the horizontal of the t and mm. then your specialist skills are like the vertical of the t so oh, like they are, are the you know you might have a specialist mm. skill in the um you, you mentioned you'd done things in transport or in roads or in, so you have some specialist skills. Now, what we see increasingly the case, you wouldn't be a very successful project manager, I don't think, if all you had was a, a single T. So you had your fusion skills and there's one area that you can project manage. You know, you're really good at project managing the building of fences. Um, you may have work, but you may not. And from certainly hearing in, in our introductory talk, some of the things you guys are doing, the chances are you have your fusion skills across the top, but mm. you actually have lots of specializations. You may have worked in construction. You may have worked in transport. You may work in city planning. You may have worked in military. You may have, you will have loads of these special specializations. So I actually refer to comb shaped people. So if you imagine a, a comb for your hair at the top of the comb are your the horizontal are your fusion skills and then throughout your training and your working life you're developing more of the teeth of the comb as your strands of specialism and the the, the this is a really important thing to understand when you think about how young people might move into project management or more diverse people into project management different people from from other gender for example into project management it's about saying, okay, that person, if they have a well-developed set of fusion skills, the chances are it's relatively easy to teach them the specialist skills that enable them to move from project to project to project. Because if that were not the case, project managers would only be stuck in one kind of project throughout their entire career. Whereas we know mm. that's not the case. And, and when I've, I've had the opportunity to speak with and present to project managers, I'm struck by they cover every single field that you've ever thought of. And so they have a large number of those teeth in the comb, so to describe, those verticals of specialization. And it's relatively easy if you've got the strong fusion skills to move 
between those, as both of you gentlemen have done, and Steve certainly done, um, in terms of moving into other areas of specialism. And you mm. can take those skills and apply them in all of the different areas. <clears throat> and so to get more diverse talent into project management, it's about focusing around the, the fusion skills and then saying, what would we need to do to give them some specialist skills to enable them to be able to work in that area? And what the businesses across all industries tell us, if you hand us somebody who's got good fusion skills, it's comparatively easy to teach them the specialist skills, whether that's, for example, computer coding as a specialist mm. skill. That's comparatively easy. But if you get someone who's a really good coder, but who doesn't have those fusion skills, it's almost impossible to get them to develop the, those skills to enable them to move to other project areas. So you can see, you see how this is mm. an answer to your question in a way, because, and that doesn't just apply to project management now. The average person has eight different teeth in their comb, eight completely different careers or, you know, specialisms now within their lives. The average person in the UK stays in their job less than three years, just slightly under two years, nine months. So what you have to do as you move to another role is often you've got to develop another specialism. Also, we find even mm. within our roles, within our jobs, within a, a project, you come into a project, you think it involves X, Y or Z, and you suddenly find you actually have to know a lot about LN, LM, N and K or whatever, and you have to head off and develop specialisms and become a, you know, within two weeks, perhaps become a, at least a, an expert or have some specialist skill in something you didn't even foresee at the beginning of the project. And so whatever your role is at the moment, the chances are you've got to have those fusion skills. I love that. And the way you describe that and the image that you put in my head, um, Dale doesn't need a comb as such, but <laughs> I think, I think he appreciated the, the analogy <laughs> for the beard. Sure. <laughs> uh, I think for those that didn't quite understand from episode 66, when we had Carol Steele and Jamie Hannon and how they described definition, I think yours has just added that extra dimension uh, that especially the T and I don't know, for me, that really resonated um, and I, it was really exciting. Uh, Steve, did you have a few comments on that as well before I hand well, it to Dale for I, a question? I, I, I do, and at the risk of um, uh, uh, getting getting uh, sued, I'll clarify that. <laughs> didn't, the, didn't the T model come from not Ford? It wasn't the model T Ford, <laughs> T was model, it? It was, it was the model T Ford. It, yeah. Was, yeah, uh, it was somebody from IBM, wasn't it, who, who came up with that? Yeah, uh, the original, the yeah. sort of T-shaped person, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to put the cat a, a little bit amongst the pigeons now uh, because um, a, a few years back uh, amongst my fellow directors, I said, you know, really and truly, our objective is to, um, is to disappear project management. <laughs> so our long-term goal might be initially to say that there is a project manager stroke director on every board in the land. Mm which would be a great step forward because then they could inform, you know, a lot of people that know a lot about money and, and taking risks with that, you know, with poorly informed choices, but we could help, help, help that. But I thought the step after that, so maybe, no, you know, not, not next, not, not <laughs> next week or next year, or maybe 20 years down the line, if we're successful with, 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 or we take some, make some progress with fusion by, by saying you're disappearing project management, you make it inherent within every individual. Right. And I think that the, the, if you're looking at a horse and cart analogy, you know, 
we have the horse and the cart. It's a two-way thing. You see, if if we make, um, in fact, the 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 the, the, the awareness and the development in fusion skills common to all education through all education, and it becomes the foundation stone, if you like, of of, of all education, because we know that we can latch on specialisms and technical know-how to that. Um, in the end, you know, you're looking at people, a whole population of people that are able to do all the project managing things, mm. ultimately. But yeah. also, if uh, I, uh, if, sorry, yeah, if uh, I, if I could on. come back yeah. in on that as well, is I also think that at the moment where we are, that the project management, um, you know, the people with those project management skills are almost underestimating their value. Because every single industry needs those sorts of fusion skills that to be a successful project manager, you must have. And I yeah. think there's even, I'd like to sort of twist it even a bit further, because I think one of the things that we're, we're finding now is when you mention this, people say, yes, it, it's absolutely the case. But it's a real challenge to how traditionally skills have been managed in an organisation, where usually it's a quite top-down management of skills. It's very much driven by the organisation itself, and it's based on a model of large organisations, even though we know, for example, there's more people in the United Kingdom who are self-employed than who work for the entire public service. And if you start to think about that, I think project managers, and I'm going to stress the word project manager, the second word, have a really, really key role in developing management skills around fusion because having them on the board is not to do away with project managers. It's actually to say you bring a unique set of skills that can help other managers in this organisation or in this industry to be able to develop those fusion skills better in the mm. teams that we're working with. And a good project manager is also used to working with multiple different teams. You're doing this project, it's going to require these sort of people. You have to go out and form the team. You have to curate the team and manage the team. And people use uh, words, I'll, I'll use this for Steve with his love of music, but conduct them or be like a film producer. You know, if you're, if you're making, if you're Spielberg and you're making Star Wars, you need a very different team of skills than if you're making another movie. You know, every, every uh, event, every project has a different set of, and as project managers, this is all bread and butter. This is how you work if you're successful. Mm. But for other industries, this is what they, are, they desperately need and are really seeking. How do they have design-led management, project-led management to enable them to deal with what is now a very complex way of making teams for a purpose, reconfiguring, developing their fusion skills, allowing those people to move on. That's what you do all the time. So I also think rather than mm. sort of, I see where Steve's coming from, that this becomes so much part of what we do, that people have those skills. But at the time we are now, there is a huge value in sort of unleashing the, the, the knowledge of management of this type that's contained within project management. And that's the idea, I think, of getting them on the board is how can this influence the thinking in the, in the organisations to make this then 
embedded because those managers weren't trained in this way, whereas project mm-hmm. managers were. They yeah. were fortunate. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, I, 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 sorry, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah um, I absolutely agree. As I said, I, I, I'm talking 20 years in the future. We've still got to do that little bit in the middle, <laughs> first of all. Yeah, we do indeed. I see years. that as the inevitable conclusion because in the end you're – because it's not – again, the, uh, and, and, and you do get this as well. People say, well, look, it's all very well having the project manager, but I'm, I'm a member of a project team. Right. And I do, you know, and also leadership and responsibility are role oriented and they can be anywhere in the hierarchy of an organization. Now, if everybody starts to to get the same level and degree of of, of competence and and, and understanding and ability to work with each other, imagine in some ways what that's going to do to organizational models. My idea is that you will you will have, you know, self-governing or autonomous teams that will crush the notion of hierarchy in an organization. Mm -hmm. For the good and the better as well. You know, you won't have this command and control thing anymore. And everybody will have that ability to be able to, 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 to take their turn. Again, my analogy, rather than the orchestra, is the string quartet, where responsibility passes. There's not a conductor, but there's a, a prime mover. Each time somebody's playing, somebody's in the lead. Somebody has the leadership role in the string quartet. And it shifts mm-hmm. from violin to bass to cello to second violin throughout the piece. And everybody has that understanding. They're all working with each other and all supporting the activity as the person who needs to assume the leadership uh, takes that because they've got the lead theme, as it were, but they're being supported by the other people. Yeah. And so, you know, I I see that as the as the attraction of this. Uh, So the great leveler, this is potentially of society and the world of work as well, you know. So, um, I, you know, I think it, it, it and, and if anything, it, it explodes into you know uh, infinity the opportunity that we've got here to actually be able to deliver the change that we keep on sitting in dark rooms with worry beads, you know, pretending that we've got you know some sort of solution or wishing somebody else would do something about it. In the end, we are empowering. I believe that this thing in particular will help more than just about any other thing to empower society to, to look after itself, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only to look after itself, but to look after everybody else as well. You know, that's, 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 the, that's the, uh, uh, the, the, the gold at the end of the rainbow, as far as I'm concerned, and why I am so committed to, to, to making it happen. Well, well said, Stephen. And um, and I just want to leave with a comment. I'm going to get Dale in because he's, he's sitting there thinking he's written some things down. It, it, <laughs> my conceptual, I'm trying to conceptualize this as well for those that are listening. It, it reminds me of kind of the Renaissance person, you know, the polymath where, mm. you know, you're, you're good at many different things. Are we? It's kind of like we're bringing that back uh, or revamping it in, in, in a new light, but it just makes so much sense that this should be far more widespread well, than perhaps it's, it, it is. Um, I'm going to say one thing and then I'll let you go and... Sorry, I, I know you've got a tight. Have you got a tight finish? Very quickly, I, I agree with the Renaissance, but bring it more closely to the world of William, William Morris and the arts and crafts movement, which was very much about bringing together art, you know, to bring about the artistic within the technical. Okay, so they took pride in what they built. There was something yes. artistic and aesthetic about what they built. Okay, yes. so that's that. That's what we should be endeavouring to, to to recreate that 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 sense of pride in workmanship and, and not not just kicking out an artifact and not caring about it anymore. and over the years we've separated that out of the engineer and the craftsman remember that a hundred years ago the civil engineers used to meet at the albert hall for what they called conversation evenings the entire membership of the civil engineers would fill the albert hall and it would be an exhibition and a booze up and a night out okay with carriages <laughs> at 
11 o'clock. But within that exhibition, you would have exhibitions from the greatest, latest technical developments of the day. But also there will be poets, artists, singers performing during that thing as well. So you had that real intermeshing of the arts and, and the technical. And somehow or other, we've managed to unravel that. Over the last hundred years, and the best thing again for society, <clears throat> losing my voice, is is to is to to to, to rebraid that together again. Yeah, so and so would, you know you're on the money. I would have said the bear house as well as another. Yeah, yeah, well that's the other one. Example. Yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that the the difference you've got too though is that discipline boundaries. So it's not just about say well, let's bring the science and art and whatever together. Yes. But actually, the boundaries between each of those is com are completely fuzzy now. Mm. So, the, you know, for example, one of the areas that the City of London is, is leading on is fintech. Well, yeah. fintech is a, a wonderful mix of technology, of finance, of legal systems, of um, sciences. But it also has the aesthetic. You know, I met a, a guy who's developed a ring that you just can use and it has, all. you know, you can use it as your train pass or your you know, your, your credit card. And in that sense, is for it to work, it has to also be beautiful and aesthetic mm. and, and holistic. And if you're yeah. going to put a team together to manage something like fintech, you're going to need people of all different skill sets. You're going to need people who can come and then collectively work together, even doing this podcast. You know, a podcast is a form of art is mm. something that, and also uh, just to reflect another point that Steve made, which I think is really important, it's also about autonomous ownership of those skills. You don't, you didn't need to get, uh, you know, a sort of commercial radio station to, you can do this yourself. You, you develop the skills, you've been able to, you know, make it work effectively, people tune in and have, you know, so, <clears throat> so the, the way we work now as a society has gone away from, from simple separate things if you take even a, you know going out to dinner it's not just about you know let's put some really well cooked uh, food on a plate it's about the the way that the artistic design of the food itself the you know the the design of the plate it's the the table it sat on it's the lighting it's even the sound um mm. even the smells to to instigate your appetite it's how you are greeted it's about their online reviews I mean, that experience alone, just having, having your dinner is a completely fusion experience because it's requiring so many different uh, elements of, of thinking and ways of working and different industries to get you to sit down and go, you know what, that was a wonderful cup of coffee. And, and mm. there's all of this going on, which is very little to do, actually, with the coffee itself. Yeah. So you're consuming much more than just what you're putting into your mouth. That's a, that's a very interesting way to look at it. But I love the passion and I love the vision from both of you. If I may just backtrack a little bit and comment on a few things. Uh, and the comb analogy just went straight over my head. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I, do love, <laughs> I do love the tea analogy as well. And Val and I have spoken be before on you know, the breadth and the depth. And, and I think that's what you're referring to and how you make that fit individually and as an organization. Um, but also just commenting on the wide array of skills and back to the comb analogy, I think we've also spoken about having a tool belt or mm. toolkit and being able to use the right tool at the right time rather than having a single skill set and making everything else fit around that tool. Yeah. Um, but I want to bring it back to um, a couple of things we've mentioned. 
you've mentioned the top skill, oral communication, right? And Steve mentioned a couple of times now about, you know, how the civil engineers went to the pub, you know, had a rowdy evening and spoke to each other. And I started thinking in this day and age, how has social media made an impact on communication skills? Mm. Because is there a bigger gap today than there was 10, 15, 20 years ago because people are speaking to each other less? Mm. Um, Or is that not a case and actually social media is making people more accessible to each other? I just wonder, you know, are there pros and cons? And what's your view on that, Anne? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, Oral communication has something that has been something that's incredibly changed. Sorry, the clock's just ticking in the background. <laughs> um, has incredibly changed um, over over the past um, twelve months, and it's really been a shakeup. And I think that there are advantages and disadvantages because I think that you know what we're doing now is an incredible advantage because this has really made a democracy of oral communication you can get access to people and ideas and experts that you would have never had the chance to and you can share really broadly and it crosses international boundaries and local boundaries and time boundaries so I think in some ways it's been a really uh, big strength of, of this time but I do think on the other side that we, we've got to be cautious that while virtual communication gives us incredible advantages, it doesn't take away as well on the value of sometimes those face-to-face communications. Mm. And I think there's all been times when we've struggled to say, you know, the, in a virtual way, people don't get the meaning correctly or they miss the, the body language which goes with communication or the gesture or the intonation, you know. So I think that there's advantages, but there are also disadvantages. And I think we do have to watch um, over the next 12 to 18 months as people slowly get back to what we hope is a, is a, uh, a way of working that does have more face-to-face contact that we're able to continue to develop those those oral communication skills. I think it's something we need to, as I said about any skills, we need to keep practicing them. And so we're yeah. going to need to have opportunities to practice, you know, social oral communication and oral communication back in a face-to-face context. Because I think for all of us, it'll be, um, you know, it will be a bit odd. You know, it's a bit odd now when you meet people because you don't know whether to shake their hand or hug them or or sort of look awkward and stand at three metres, you know. So so our, our sort of, we will need to reinforce and practice those. And I think that's the case in all aspects. But but what we have seen during of, during this period of time too is that those industries, those people that have fusion skills have gone ahead in leaps and bounds and those that don't are being left behind. So I also think we have to look at, equality and um, access to make sure we're really reaching out to people who might miss out because I think you know that's an important part of this as well it's not to make the haves and the have-nots it's not to have this super you know super group of people who've got fusion skills it's actually about saying we need this for everybody this this should be a basic human right for people to have this stuff no absolutely and I think that that's right isn't it because on the one hand, there's it's it's making um, it all available and giving the people everyone that environment where it's accessible, but then on the other hand, there is a you know people have to take ownership of it themselves as well to drive. So it, it it's a partnership. I think it's not it's not you know organizations um, purely just providing the platforms. Uh, it's individuals taking those platforms up, and I just wonder on an individual level if people are geared up 
confident enough. Um, I think it was uh, Jamie that spoke about bravery and the opposite is fear. Um, and, you know, sometimes how that might be a challenge for people actually putting themselves out there. I mean, when Val and I started this podcast, we didn't know if we'd get any listeners. We just started <laughs> ranting. And here we are, season three, and we've got thousands of listeners. And it's amazing. Um, and that wasn't the, the, the point wasn't to get thousands of listeners. It was to, to actually just share knowledge. Yeah. And, but if we didn't have that initial, let's just try it out. It wouldn't have happened. And I, I feel like the generation coming through hide behind their cell phone or mobile yeah. phone because they can go onto social media and say something that's pre-written. They can edit it before it goes out rather than being there live on the spot and just being accountable and mm-hmm. not being scared to say the wrong thing, not being scared to, you know, look silly or ask the dumb question and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, that, those are my comments on that. Did you want to... Yeah. No, I just said bravery, I think, is really key because uh, and also I think it, it is um, it does come back to good management as well, because if you've been managed well, you encourage some of that bravery. And so you do. Um, whereas if, if you feel that you're um, you know, that that's not being welcomed, then you you quickly lose your resilience to be able to be that brave. So yeah. I think, it, yeah, it does really come. Bravery is a, a really key word. Um, and, and things are changing so quickly that some people are very able to adapt to those changes and some people find that quite unsettling as well. And so I think if you combine the bravery but also for just acknowledging that for some people the speed of change at the moment is quite um, unsettling and so also to just remember, you know, some people thrive on it and some people find that you know really challenging and so you have to have some you know compassion as well with it yes yes absolutely no so thanks for that if i may just shift gears slightly so steve was amazing and sent through um, one of your presentations um that that you previously did and and in there the one one of them that struck me was this rubik's cube you have yeah it's got fusion skills specialist skills and principles now yeah. principles stuck out for me because i personally think a lot of a lot of what we're talking about relies on strong principles and before i jump to you and i want to perhaps come to steve to comment on principles in project management because we've all had various types of experiences in projects where um you you just related to some of them you know do you have the right ethics and do you have perhaps empathy are you just focused on delivering to hit the bottom line or do you actually care about people steve i wonder what's your view on where we are as a project management community in terms of principles and, and, and where do you think we need to develop further to improve in, in the space? Well, I think, um, well, firstly, uh, should I say written high on the charitable object of the APM, the Association for Project Management, is that uh, the aims and objectives of the APM were for the public good. <clears throat> Whether that's actually evidence particularly clearly nowadays, uh, not so sure, Um, or they may need to refresh that thinking. Similarly, um, uh, I I think that not only the APM, but other institutions can become insular. And and in some ways, I always felt that an association, whilst it has members, was not necessarily there for and on behalf of its own members as such to be developed internally, but also 
they should really become evangelists. And so rather than having 50,000 members to look after, you should have 50,000 evangelists to develop so that they can go out and spread the ideas even further. And I think there is a loss of that in, in today's institutional and organisational life. There's also lip service paid to many of the things that occupy us. So you will have a large corporation that has a diversity charter, a sustainability charter, but they won't really do it uh, on closer inspection. They won't really mean it because they haven't joined up everything within their organization to do so. So you have to have um, a predisposition and a willingness um, to do some of these things. And above all, um, in to the, harking back to, to your previous statement, Lots of dialogue, um, great, um, but ideas come out of not the dialogue so much, but a wish for change, which is driven and has to be driven by vision, leadership uh, and purpose. It has to have meaning to whoever is going to adopt that change and, and look at change that sticks or doesn't stick in society and change that is um, imposed. The minute the dictator walks away or the government changes, it unravels. And the people, they don't accept change, they tolerate change. They don't embrace change, okay? They tolerate it. Key word, I think many of us tolerate the things that are, are proposed to us. With social media, we have a greater opportunity to get that message further and wider and broader, which must have an equalizing and democratizing influence so that more people will buy into it. And similarly with fusion, you know, the premise, the pitch of fusion is, I would say to every parent in the, in the country, wouldn't you rather that your child in the future was able to cope better with the world that it's facing, the challenges that it's facing, to live in a world that's being made better by those children, rather than forego the opportunity and still go through a system which divides uh, ever wider uh, uh, inequalities um, uh, throughout society. That was a bit of a ramble, but um, so I think the underpinning thing is that there, there is a, a, a massive ethical dimension to what we do. And if I can just advertise, because I don't know whether you've had them on or not, I am uh, uh, warming very much to a movement uh, coming out of the, the lovely Karen Thompson from, from Bournemouth and Nigel Williams at Portsmouth Universities, promoting what they're calling responsible project management. <clears throat> and project management lines up with the issues of the day, climate change, sustainability, uh, mental well-being, uh, 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 projects that have a social purpose, circular economies, all of those, that sort of stuff. It really calls for a refresh of the definition and a redirection of, of project management. And, uh, and if project management can be moved into that responsible project management space, which again, lined up with, with what we are talking about today, that's where we need to go. Um, uh, and above all, that will reinforce and emphasise the importance and the value of the individual working towards the right things. Doing the right things right, I think, is, is possibly uh, what will be the, where they're headed. Uh, so does that answer your question? I think so. I think it does. And yeah, we, we just your question, we do have Karen Thompson and, and Dave Corbin on next month. All right. So we'll, we'll talk about Good. that there. Yeah. But just... Um, Popping over to Anne to comment on the Rubik's Cube and principles. Yeah, well, actually, the Rubik's Cube was sort of my thinking, taking the comb even further, because 
with the issue with the comb is you've got the fusion principles and then you've got the specialisms, uh, the fusion skills, but you've got the specialisms. And people were saying, well, what about the principles, things like diversity, equality, mm. um, sustainability? Where, where do they sit in all of this story? And I said, well, the thing is, they're not separate to, they're within all of it. And so the, the cube was almost my attempt to say, you know, we, when we do anything, we have this interplay of the fusion skills and we've got the specialist skills we bring, but we also have to be informed by sets of principles or, or um, approaches that govern what we try to do. And you can't separate them out from either the specialist skills or the fusion skills, because, for example, if one of the fusion skills is problem solving, you can solve a problem in a very unethical way, or you can solve a problem in a very ethical way. You know, you have to bring principles to bear. So, you know, if, if you take, you know, building of a road as a simple example, you know, you can do that considering environmental sustainability, or you can do that completely ignoring um, environmental sustainability. But the the uh, principles are both come into your fusion skills. So they come in the way you speak, they come in the way you collaborate, they come in the way you problem solve, but they also come into your own specialist knowledge area, you know, whether it's a, mm. you know, a, a surgeon with specialist surgery skills, but it has to be that interplay. So the cube was my attempt to try and visually capture mm. if you actually put lots of combs together yeah. you also have the principles that run across through those um through those combs because everything you do whether it's a fusion action or it's your specialist action have to take those principles with it and one of the questions people actually said which i'm, I'm really pleased steve you've you alluded it and what you've said is why wasn't leadership one of the fusion skills i said it because it's a principle whatever you're mm. doing you bring leadership at whatever level to that process so you know leadership of problem solving solving mm. leadership of creativity leadership of oral communication you know um so when you're working and I, and I love steve your your idea of the quartet i'll steal that because i think it is a case of actually bringing those um points together you know bringing those various elements together that, that's amazing i know we are pressed for time and and steve so i'm gonna hand to val just for a final question or two no worries. Uh, I'll keep mine brief as well. I'm just <laughs> thinking like now we've, we've got some people listening uh, and people who be listening going forward about fusion skills. They got two episodes, episode 66 and this one and with you and Steve. And let's say they want to embed this change. As you said, Steve, we, we need those evangelists, uh, you know, the chief evangelists going mm -hmm. out there and not just uh, motivating, but making history and, and moving us all in the right direction. And I think even these platforms like this podcast are, are an attempt of doing that um, across multiple specializations. But my question is, what if I want to become a fusion practitioner? That's, where do I go? What can I do? Where oh, do I sign up? Yeah, well, well, I mean, a few really practical things for you. So I'm really happy to share some some links to some information Perfect. about some of the, you know, some of the reports, some of the, even some resources, some really practical mm. things. And, yeah. and we've tried to keep them, um, they're very much suitable for any age, any industry, any whatever. So I can send you some links to that. Uh, they're all, all freely available to use. Um, also on June the 7th this year, we've got the uh, Fusion 3 event. We're actually trying something crazy. We've not tried it before, so it may or may not work. We're going to 
have a 12 hour long event in one hour slots. We're wow. starting in Sydney, Australia, and we're ending Perfect. up in uh, Los Angeles, California, following the clock around. And you'll, you'll, that will be a great chance for anyone who's interested in fusion. I'd be really delighted to, to invite people along um, to join at a session that matches their time zone so they don't have to get yeah. up in the middle of the night or whatever. Um, so we'd be really happy to, to share some details of, of how people can come to that. It's a virtual event. And you'll see how fusion's interpreted very differently in different places, in different contexts, by different uh, types of groups. So um, that's a really great chance if you want to just, you know, come and be part of a taster. We'd really, really welcome you um, for part of that. And I think then it's about really um, there's also some, some tools that I can point you in the direction of that allow you, for example, to assess your own fusion levels. So, for example, there's a, a good uh, benchmarking tool that's available where you can um, say to yourself, you know, on the, when I do this little uh, benchmark, I can say, well, my strongest one is creativity and oral communication and my weaker one is on uh, autonomous working or whatever. And you can assess your own uh, skills and then start to de develop those. But I really do think for, for project managers out there, you know, you are fusionistas, you are fusion experts. And, you know, simply put that on your business card project manager and fusion expert, you know, because I think that's what you are. And, and it's almost underestimating your value to only, you know, your project management side is one aspect, but gosh, if you could actually be fusion managers, you've, you, you know, that is really opening the world um, in terms of the, the opportunities and the difference it would make to management more generally. And that's across any industry, you know, it, whether it's health, health and social care, hospitality, you know, construction, it applies equally in all of those contexts. No, that's brilliant. Steve, did you have any comments as well? Well, uh, apart from, well, get a job as a project manager. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 fusion uh, manager, new and, project and, and, and fusion manager. Yeah, and don't and don't wait to be and don't wait to be given permission to do stuff. Is, is, ah, is the major thing. You know, you find out by failing. Uh, Fill the width of your envelope by by you know seeing whether whether somebody stops you or when they stop you. Uh, but apart from that, uh, in, in the background uh, at the moment, we're getting to the into the third year of, of fusion, and so for the last couple of years, there's been lots and lots of activity taking place. And I think there is now a, a narrowing slightly, not not of the, the breadth of the idea, but we're now moving into the practicalities of it, and and, and what does that really mean? Uh, you know, to answer your question as an individual. And, and th th there isn't a bank to rights version, but th there are like-minded souls moving in, in a general direction and supporting the general direction. So me currently with a few other people in this story, we're, we're working towards the development of a pilot so that an organization can utilize uh, by being able to, to, to define, monitor, track the, journey, the development journey of individuals through, if you like, the portfolio of work that an organization is engaged in. And I'm, you know, Anne mentioned it, uh, the, the film producer role. Uh, I, I've got, I think, the producer's role here where I'm pulling together a few bits and pieces because I'm good at integrating that. And then uh, we're, we're going to give it a go. Uh, and so hopefully there will be a pilot or two taking place within the UK over the next few, well, starting in the next few months, we, we, we imagine. And then we'll start to get some really good exemplar uh, um, uh, pilot project uh, information to be able to share with people. And hopefully that again will light the fire or put ink in the pen for the blotting paper 
to uh, to, to, to spread the the word, uh, and we and we'll be able to demonstrate through use uh, and share with the community as well. So, so to to help to, to to lead and inspire. Excellent. So there hopefully will be a, a, many many more opportunities to engage with fusion uh, over the next few years. But uh, at least now, many people on this call will will know what it is. Yeah, that's amazing. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for your comments. We have just about, just about enough time to have our feature, which is a bit of fun. Um, it's <laughs> a statement that is inspired by ridiculous statements we've heard all over the show, and we invite our guests to defend it for 30 seconds. So a bit of fun. <laughs> Although you didn't warn me of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a surprise, a little bit of fun at the end. Uh, so if you are willing and you are ready, uh, 30 seconds, I'll go with... And first, so right. you have 30 seconds to defend this statement. Fusion skills are unattainable. I have to defend it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. I'll say fusion skills are unattainable because you always are trying to improve them and trying to get better. And you want to work throughout your entire life to get better. And there was a, a famous Japanese artist, print artist, Hokazai. And Hokazai said mm. when he'd made thousands and thousands of prints, and he died at the age of 96, I think, or something like that. He said, I think I might be starting to get good at printmaking. So I would say fusion skills are un unattainable because I could be still 97 and still trying to improve my fusion skills and say, maybe I'm nearly getting there then. Awesome. Thanks, Anne. Brilliant. Steve, only 30 seconds, remember. This is your Did statement. I go over? <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're good. We just—it's just Steve, you know. You got to stick to Steve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your statement to defend is: technical skills are always more valuable than communication skills. Defend that. <laughs> He's speechless. <laughs> I wonder whether I can and remain silence. silent for thirty seconds. <laughs> technical skills are never more important than communication skills. Technical skills need to be need, need to have a purpose. And you you have purpose by defining, by inspiring, by using your mouth and your ability to 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 to, to bring people along with you and to explain and articulate your ideas. Um, you need to know what you're supposed to be doing with a technical skill. You know, there's often the, the case of the over-engineered solution by an engineer who hasn't actually been told what's required. Uh, so so it, it's always first. It's rather like in opera. Somebody said, what, what's the most important thing, the words or the music in opera? Well, it's the words. The words define the music and the emotion and, and all content. Carried out by experts with massive te technical proficiency, but always the word always the communicator i love how you were just like i can't defend that i'm just gonna <laughs> i'm just gonna go off i'll try i, <laughs> I, I was, I was ah, trying different job, approaches actually i'm gonna that. steal that idea too because it's a wonderful fusion activity because it involves mm. everything that fusion skills involve in that quick yeah. 30 yeah. seconds well, so you, well you done should, you. you should turn that into just a minute and say that you <laughs> do it for a minute without repetition <laughs> awesome thank you Brilliant. both for oh, your lovely, insight guys. your passion your discussion everything yep. um just to ending the pod uh, and any final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with no it's been a real pleasure though but yeah if you want to come on june the 7th we'd really welcome you uh get in contact and i'm sure you we can make sure you're there yeah and send us all the links we'll add it to all the show notes and and we'll, we'll push it out to all the Brilliant. social media as well lovely. thank you Anne. thank you steve any final thoughts uh, s similar, really. Find the people that are doing this. Join with them. 
don't wait to be told by people who really don't have the answer. Uh, there is a, a strong movement being grown of like-minded souls right around the planet. Nobody, we all own this. No single mm. entity owns this. No, join um, the movement. Massively powerful. <laughs> join the movement. And, and a great deal of fun. Exactly. And with purpose. And with, with nice people. <laughs> <laughs> There's the call to action. Join the movement. Well, any final thoughts from you? Uh, just a big thank you to Anne and Steve. It was it was very enlightening to have you on. Again, I think I think of fusion, I think of music and food. Uh, but now we can bring it to projects and I feel a little bit better because of that. And we would love to be part of the movement. And hopefully those that are listening live and those that listen to the recording get a lot of value out of this podcast. So thank you for sharing your time with us again. Brilliant. Agreed. Lovely. Lovely to be here. Take care, Pleasure. guys. Thank you very Pleasure. much. Thanks all. Thanks Bye, all. everyone. Bye. So, folks, that is all we have time for on this episode, but it doesn't have to stop here. Support our charities, access blogs, or if you think you have something important to share, visit projectchatterpodcast.com. Don't forget to hit subscribe on our YouTube channel and your podcast player so you don't miss the next one. A big thanks to our guests, Steve Wake and Anne Bamford, and thank you all for listening. Till next time, we say stay safe, be disruptive, and have fun doing it. From me, well, it's bye for now. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the participating individuals and not necessarily to the individual's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. Additionally, any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company or individual.